It has been said by some wise soul in the universe that family is art in its imperfect, loving human form. We understand messiness and are inspired by imperfection for through these things we learn to grow, to aspire, and to achieve greatness. We learn to thrive and we journey toward success. This is the art of family. So I welcome you to our family, the Cots family, where we create opportunities to succeed. Hello everyone, this is Cheryl P. Johnson, Chief Executive Officer for COTS. I am so excited um, about this day and, um, you know, these type of events, podcasts will go on into perpetuity, meaning I don't know if it's raining, if it's snowing, if it's sunshine, if it's 80 degrees right now when we're doing this live, it is not 80 degrees here in Detroit, but the sun is shining. I say all that to say that um, two wonderful people brought in some great sunshine in spite of weather that's 30-something uh, degrees today. I have the amazing, the amazing Jeremy, Abby, and John Piazza. Piazza. I always say, I love saying that name because I just want to kiss the sky like that. Yeah. <laughs> How are you today? Doing great. Doing great. I, I have been waiting for this day uh, because these are two of my favorite chefs. I'm sorry. I, I know I, they are. <laughs> they are amazing, um, not only chefs in their craft, but also amazing uh, human beings. And I am here to have a conversation uh, with you today about uh, soil to service. And I know there is Edible Wow, there's soil to service. There is dig, and we're going to get dig into that uh, a little bit um, as we have this conversation. So tell me, like, how we got to this day in your life. That means a little bit about your history in your craft of culinary. Oh, Cheryl, it is great to be here, and it's great to speak with you. What a lovely introduction. So thank <laughs> you very much. Uh, when I walk into Cots, uh, I definitely, all the people here bring the sunshine, so it's always sunny here. Uh, so a little bit about uh, myself. Uh, so I'm a, a food service person through and through since the beginning. Started as a dishwasher, was my first position, uh, and worked my way up through kitchen, uh, all the different positions. Ended up going to college, getting a hotel restaurant management degree uh, from Central Michigan University. And then still realizing that, you know, while I understood the front of the house and the business aspect of food service, I love to cook and I want to do that. So I went to culinary school uh, and uh, from that just continued to work in kitchens, cook at a variety of different places until uh, some of the talents and skills I built at Central Michigan University uh, added to my culinary ability that I started becoming a general manager and running operations. And so, you know, bringing me to this point, certainly the uh, love of food, the love of service, uh, that uh, when I finally met Jeremy Abbey, when our career paths crossed, uh, we decided that there was a better way 
to get people into the industry. So we have dabbled in the education business uh, and started a culinary school uh, through a corporation okay. uh, and ran that for 12 years. Uh, once, uh, then we said, you know what, there's even a better way. You know what, we need apprenticeship. A lead hands-on. Uh, and so what brings my whole career, the love of service, the love of cooking, uh, the ability to now train people to get into a profession that I believe is life-changing when you're in it. That's cool. And, and so I'm going to give you a hard question here. All right. All right. A really hard question. Cooking or management? Which is... Oh, that's a, that's, a, that's a really hard question because uh, as we were speaking before we uh, press record, mm -hmm. um, there's times you just want to cook. Yeah. You know, you just want to kind of put your head down and just feel the ingredients, love the food that you're doing. Uh, but yet, I have an affinity for the organization of an entity. Like, how is it running? Where are people? How are they working? Are they servicing the guests that's coming in? So you know you didn't answer my question, right? Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm working, I'm working <laughs> I mean, on both sides of it. Into a, Maybe like, a little politician there a little yeah, bit, right? Yeah, so, uh, so, 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 so there's the love, and I, I'm going to talk about that uh, later on about like the love of cooking. Yes. Because I, I'm going to ask a question about how love fits into that. Yeah. You know, what really is that about? Because you hear people talk about that often, but... Like, what is that? But cooking or management? Oh, Pick you're, one. You're Pick tough. One. You're tough. Pick one. I, I will say right now, I get the most passion and love from cooking. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Close okay. second is the organization. Of course. <laughs> See, I stuck it in there. Close. Okay. All right. What about you, Jeremy? Oh, man. So, is uh, there a, a similar story or? Similar, but. Way different um, as most of us in the industry are, you know. And just to echo, it's a pleasure to be here today and you know talk a little bit about what we're doing here in the Southeast Lower Michigan and on a national level. And uh, yeah, I started when I was very, very young. Um, got a dishwashing job after a middle school, and with a chef that then taught me how to hold a knife. And one thing led to another, and it's all I've ever done in my life. It's all I've ever wanted to do. Um, my parents say I used to try to cook my Legos. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's, it, you know, you talk about the love and the passion, and I'll yeah. hold off on what I wanted to say about that, but it really is what I've always wanted to do. Uh, there came a point in my career where I was almost uh, stagnant in my mm -hmm. professional career, and uh, some friends of mine and employees actually said, you know, if you're such a good teacher, you should go into education. Yeah. And I thought to myself, there's no way in heck. Um, my parents were educators, my brother, it's in the family blood, mm -hmm. and I was the black sheep. The last thing I wanted to do was go into education. But I said, you know what, why not? I got some extra time, so I picked up a part-time job teaching. Um, Chef John actually hired me, and uh, you know that was wow. how we first met. And I fell in love with teaching. Um, passing on knowledge to another human being is just incredible. And through those 12 years of working with Chef Piazza, really kind of growing my love for passing mm -hmm. on that education. I grew as a professional, but also the the impact of, and I call it, you know, the light bulb moment. Yeah. When things click with somebody around food, it, yeah. it really changes a person. Yeah. And you teach somebody how to cook broccoli perfectly, you know, that changes them, 
and then they changed their surroundings yeah. with their kids and their family and their friends. And that all led up to, you know, not only is culinary school and education in America broken, mm -hmm. as we witnessed it <laughs> as we were running yeah. the, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with the traditional culinary school model, except it doesn't work. Um, that's the only real big thing. On a large scale, it doesn't work. There's a better way. Yeah. And that's talk, better. talk a little bit more about that. Like, what, what would you say is broken about it? From, from a person who's not in the industry, like that's you know, they don't know. Like all, all we want to know is ABC, right? And, and receive food and learn this. Mm -hmm. What's broken? About the connection between the industry. Okay. The reality of what it's like in the industry mm -hmm. and what it's like in a culinary school. There's no way to replicate. Mm -hmm. I went to a traditional culinary school mm -hmm. and I got a lot out of it. But I was also working through my, you know, through yeah. that education in the industry. Yeah. And I could see that there was, you know, a lot of culinary graduates get out there and they get into the industry and they don't like it. Yeah. So you've basically wow. thrown away one year, two years, three years yeah. of your life and money and time and everything else. And you're just, you don't like it and you have to find a new career path. Would you agree with that, John? You know, I think that uh, 100% mm -hmm. I agree with what Chef Abby said. And a lot of times, if you're in the industry, so I was in the industry prior to going to culinary school, so was Chef Abby, that you have a different perspective. You have that hands-on reality of what the industry is like already. So many people joined as the progression of, I went to high school, now I'm going to college, what do I do? I like to cook. So they joined the culinary program without ever being in the industry, even that dishwasher job. So they don't know, and they they get used to the reality of what school is, and it's partnership, it's slow production. You know, you fill your head with knowledge in a traditional culinary school, yeah. but the hands-on application is what's missing. Yeah. And so when Chef Abby and I were at the other culinary school, the brick and mortar, we would watch these students who would spend their money in a culinary school, they were good, right? They loved it, they enjoyed it, they took their tests, they did their practicals, but then they went out to the industry and came back and said, man, I don't even like this, or this is what I expected. Um, I'm not really good at it. What do you mean I have to stand at a station? Like all those intrinsic things that you can't duplicate mm -hmm. in a traditional culinary school is crucial. Yeah. to what happens to the transition from school to real life as, as a cook. So you say that you have created something new and unique in a model that so, speaks to that. So we, this is the commercial part. And I, <laughs> I love it. Traditional culinary schools are broken and we have the solution. Mm -hmm. And really, it's we like to say that it's a new delivery of education, but it's actually historically the way that chefs and cooks learn, mm -hmm. and that's through apprenticeship. Okay. And so it's a, a traditional model of apprenticeship style education with an ex extremely modern twist. And so with Detroit Institute of Gastronomy, which is, you know, just backing up the career path a little yeah. bit, um, John and I knew we wanted to start a culinary school. Yeah. And we had to figure out how to do that. And so the first step was to start a nonprofit. So we started and launched Soil to Service. And with that, our first goal was to launch Detroit Institute of Astronomy. 
So we did that. We're checking all those boxes, and then we enrolled our first student. Woo! Um, yeah, and it was it was great. He's now grad, but continuing to work. Um, but through apprenticeship, our students that are fully enrolled work in the industry. They're an employee first with our many multiple different industry Got partners. Got it. And so they not only earn a living and earn an income while they build the skills on the job. Mm -hmm. And the unique twist that we bring to it is it's all tracked electronically. And so all of those skills are recorded digitally, approved by the mentor, and then they progressively go through skill development while they work. You you all put some real thought into this. So it was born out of your own personal um in this is my word, dissatisfaction, right? This is this right. is broken, this doesn't work. Also and disservice. And disservice, the disservice yeah. To, yeah. The, to the student. You know, yeah. John and I always talk about it and it's like we hate talking about our quote unquote, if you call it a failure, yeah. but our dropouts. Yeah. But yeah. the best thing that can happen is a student can enroll with us, take one quarter of education, mm -hmm. be out a little bit of money, and realize that they really don't want to do this. Yeah. You know, well, that's okay. Yeah. You know, it, it's terrible that we're losing a student, but at the same time, at least you've discovered that career path before you got $20,000. Yeah. At a low cost, that. right? Yeah. The risk you're, you're minimizing, you know, what I would say uh, is the risk. How many people, and as I think about this, go to school? You don't have to be in the industry of culinary arts, could be anything, right? Four years, all that money, and right. then after that, it's like, you know, what am I going to do what, with this? What am I going to do with this? And so you've taken um, something that's very, that you have a lot of passion for culinary arts. And so you're, you're in it. Like, this is what we do, this is what we love. But how do we present it in a way to others to, to kind of take the taste and to see if this is going to work? But we're also uh, presenting it in a way that they get like true value. It, it's you know if they walk away with a thought, yes, I want to do this, and by the way, I get a picture of what it really looks like. And so we're going to come back and talk about some of the other initiatives, and so. Uh, hang in there with us with Chef Jeremy and Chef John. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the Art of Family podcast by COTS. COTS exists to create and facilitate opportunities for families in poverty to collaborate, thrive, and succeed in building strong households, neighborhoods, and communities. This is accomplished through COTS Passport to Self-Sufficiency. Passport to Self-Sufficiency is COTS Poverty Reduction and Alleviation Framework. It is used across all programs, delivered through a whole family approach to support families in developing economic self-sufficiency and stabilized environments in order to create a multi-generational impact and ultimately break the cycle of poverty. To support this mission or to learn more about COTS, our families, or our partners, visit us online at cotsdetroit.org. That's cotsdetroit.org. We are back again with uh, two of my favorite chefs, and I am not ashamed to say that. They are <laughs> favorite chefs um, in the world. 
uh, Chef Jeremy and Chef John Soul to Service, Dig, and Edible Wild. I, I'm going to say all of those yeah. things, right? Um, let's, let's, we were just talking when we took a break about uh, the different kind of elements, and that's how I um, heard you speak to that, the, the elements of how uh, your passion for bringing this opportunity to students is presented to them. These are things that you consider. What, what are those things right. again? So one of the things that to be a really excellent cook, to be an excellent chef, it's all about the person, the human, right? Because we we're, we're creating our craft the food to nourish others, yeah, right? Yeah. Proper nutrition. Um, and three things that we talk about are key tenants in the program is human and food and facility. And so if you can wrap your head around all three of those, there's decisions that are made with your facility that have to impact the human, yeah. right? So is the, is the front door clean in good working order? Are there mats in place? You know, everything from the guest experience, that human experience, that's the facility. Is your kitchen in good working order? Yeah. Does all the equipment work? So a cook has to understand that. Yes. And it all worries about the person who's coming in. And even when things things are placed in the kitchen. Exactly. Right? Everything. That facility. Yeah. You know, keep your eye on the facility. And obviously, most culinary schools focus on the food, right? Yes. You take care of the food. You hold it to proper temperatures. You have to serve food that's edible and, and good for human consumption. Again, the human aspect of it. Yeah. But ultimately, holding uh, in your hands the human, mm -hmm. right? Because if there are things that happen, uh, a lot of times, such as the old uh, cliche, well, if the steak hits the ground uh, before it's served, how many seconds do you have before you have to pick it up and then, then you serve it? Is it three-second rule? Is it the 10-second rule? You know, we all laugh about that. I, but, I'm going to throw this in, and yeah. some kids say, and kiss it to God. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. So, but, you know, the, the interesting part is those are the decisions that happen yeah. every day that if we realize we're we're feeding another person, we're taking care of that person, there's no seconds available for that steak. Once it hits, it's done. Something falls in the garbage, something's spoiled, something's not right, the sauce isn't perfect, you know, then we're not taking care of the it's human. It's over, right. It's right. over. Yeah. And, and, and so that it's it woven into ethics. Yeah. Right? And all of those three decisions really work with the ethics of being a cook and being a chef. And if you, if you come from a place of ethical decision-making and you take care of your facility mm -hmm. and you take care of the food and you take care of the human. Yeah. And that's woven throughout our program at DIG. So we have graduates that have their eyes wide open to the industry that they're getting into. It's not just a job. Yeah. It is taking care of other people with your craft. Yeah. I love how uh, you, this is like a song. I mean, you got to make music <laughs> around this. Can I jump in? Yeah, sure. Way. And I, I want to also ask you about how this benefits the community because you all talk about um, your work, um, and you you may not use the word, but I I hear it in terms of equity. But there's an issue, right, Absolutely. in the industry Absolutely. where I can look at this industry and don't see. Uh, women that look like me, or women, period, right? And, and how do you address that? That's a concern of yours. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I'll segue a bit and take a step back real quick because we keep saying dig, 
Yeah. And that's Detroit Institute of Gastronomy. Yes. And a lot of people ask this, well, what is gastronomy? People aren't familiar with that word. And you know, and, and that word really the reason we chose it was because of exactly what Chef John just talked about is gastronomy is the study of food and dining. Mm. And so it's the whole picture. It's far more than just culinary. And what we really do and when we talk about, you know, the delivery of culinary education being broken, but it's also the the actual education and the way we approach that education delivery, because while our students are developing skills online on the job, they're attending classes online. Okay. And so we have what's called related instruction, and a full-time student takes two classes every quarter in addition to their on-the-job on learning. And so, and with those courses, we really do take a deeper dive. It's far different than, you know, the YouTube channel that you can pull up and find a recipe online and follow that recipe and cook it at home. But what we do is we change the way we deliver the education to really make that student understand what's happening as you saute that chicken breast. Yeah, yeah. What's really going on there with the human, the food, and the facility? Yeah. And so to really change the way that cooks that complete and graduate our program think about food, mm -hmm. you know, and really how do we pass on that education? How do we really deliver that to make it sink in? You know, and, and it, I, I like to say it's working. Yeah. You know, we have some students that are actually competing for the uh, American Culinary Federation Student Chef of the Year. Okay. And so we've been working with them on crafting a menu and how they're going to execute it. And I finally got the final copy and I was blown away. I was like, wow, that's a student? I mean, so it's not only the skill development that they build quicker mm -hmm. on the job, but it's also the way that they understand flavor composition, plate composition, um, you know, appearance, the whole thing that it takes to be a really strong cook that leads to a really strong chef. Would you describe a chef as an artist? Uh, that's, that's funny. It's the discussion topic <laughs> this week in my humanities <laughs> course. Right? Um, is the culinary, is it art or is it craft? Mm -hmm. You know, and a lot of people forget that being a cook and being a chef, it's a trade. You know, it's just like being a plumber, just like yeah. being an electrician. You know, it's a, it's a trade craft. And you have to understand the functionality and the fundamentals and the craft of what yeah. you're doing before you get to the creativity and the artistry. Yeah. And because there's no hope. And you talk to any of the greats, you know, any of those big name chefs, they'll tell you the same thing. You cannot be creative. You cannot push the boundaries of food unless you have a strong foundation wow. and fundamental knowledge. Wow. And to answer the equity thing, yeah. you know, I find it really, really interesting. And we have a lot of leads that are interested in coming to our program that, quote unquote, have their own business. Mm -hmm. Because the pandemic shifted a lot of our culture. And they, a lot of people out there started doing, like, home cooking that they're selling to their friends and families. Yeah. And yeah. social media platforms, you post it, and then you can all of a sudden get a small following of people that yeah. don't buy your food. The thing is, is they don't have the opportunity necessarily to really take two years to go to a traditional culinary school. You know, you have to basically then balance your schooling, your family, and all of the responsibilities of life along with trying to pay for it. Yeah. And how are you going to cover rent when you're in school or your mortgage payment or your car note or anything else? So through apprenticeship, it really does knock down a bunch of those barriers. Because you're earning a living through a Department of Labor registered national program with DIG, 
while you're attending and growing uh, your educational skill base. Right, and living your life. And living your life. So Cheryl, just to go back to the question you asked about equity, um, and is there people that look like all of us yeah. in the kitchen? Uh, and there isn't. And that's one of the things that uh, when Jeremy and Chef Abby and I were talking about uh, when we were at the other school, the brick and mortar, we were watching. Uh, when I first opened that school, we saw about 75% men and 25% ladies. Okay. Uh, and over the years, uh, we watched those classes change, and all of a sudden, it was many more women than it was men. Uh, national average is really 50-50 graduation right? rate, right? So we're graduating okay. equal amounts of women mm -hmm. out of traditional culinary schools as we are men. So that's great numbers. We're like, excellent. Mm -hmm. So that's totally equitable. But yet, in our industry, only 20% of any food service operations in the United States are run by women. Yeah. So where is the disconnect? Yeah. What, what happened here? So, may I talk about that? Mm -hmm. I, I do. Yeah. Really know. <laughs> so so this, is what, this is what we think happens. So not only is there, we talked about the culinary traditional model of brick-and-mortar schools broken, mm -hmm. that huge skill gap when they graduate mm -hmm. uh, and they walk in it's a it's a rough environment when you're not prepared for it right so any culinary school graduate man or woman has that drop off of do I belong here can I make it here this is tough and they have a choice to make at that moment and they stay or they tough it out until they build that skill set right so that's a hard stop after school and starting to career where we lose people. Now you take a traditional professional kitchen, which is very much male dominated, and now you put the woman in that male dominated, there's an additional pressure there. There's another uh, thing that guys don't have to deal with because they are working with typically a male executive chef, um, heavy pots and pans, things that now they're required to do that put an additional stress and almost exclusion on that. And so I think we're losing a lot at that point too, or in that journey, that transition. Um, so those are two areas in which we think there's the, 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 the person who's graduating culinary school, the lady, yeah. is jumping out of the business because it's male dominated and there's that skill gap from a traditional we, culinary you're school. You're doing something about it. Right? We, we absolutely are. So that's where we're working on uh, with the apprentice. So we've developed skills, 4,000 hours of working experience, even to graduate our program. So they have the hands-on skills. They understand, the student understands the profession. But what we've done uh, specifically that helps out women that are getting in the industry is that it's mentor guide. So that they're... There is a organized program for on-the-job that we provide the mentor and the apprentice, and they work together. So it is a collaborative environment and a training environment for all apprentices, but for specifically women to then move past the male domination to find their place, to understand how they can work in that environment uh, and make a difference. I love hearing that. I, I really love um, hearing that, and, and I would be interested in 
how those that are listening to this podcast, how they can help. You know some upcoming um, events? Let me say the word. Um, omakase. Oh, yeah. So that one, that's kind of the, uh, the side project. Where, you know, that's, that's a quick little event. We're already almost sold out. So I don't know how long this is going to, this podcast is going to run. Yeah. Um, yeah, leading up to, uh, currently we're hosting and running a Women in Culinary Apprenticeship Scholarship Fundraiser. Yes. So you can find information online if you'd like. Any small donation helps. You know, it's just a, a $10 donation will help us meet our goals. Um, but all of this, and then we're doing some other little events here and there just to increase awareness of that scholarship fundraiser. Um, because for every $5,500 that we raise, we can deliver one year of education to a female that's entering our program. And so keeping that in mind, our goal is we'd like to offer 10 scholarships to female chefs in the community. All of it is legal. So that's $50,000, right, that we're trying to raise here? Uh, at least, yeah. Okay. That's, that's kind of like, like the baseline. <laughs> the reason for the scholarship, and so while we're providing a great program with apprenticeship, yeah. we want to try to make it uh, equity for all. And a lot of times, there's some talent out there, mm -hmm. and money is an obstacle. Yeah. I'm sure it's... You know, as money is a is a choice for everybody, and so if we can provide a better uh, launching pad for a culinary career, and we can eliminate the financial obligation to get started, and you know our program is a working program, so they will be making money. Uh, we think we've really helped level the playing field uh, and allow the ability for ladies, for women, mm -hmm. to share their talents, share their skills. They are very competent in kitchens. They are, you know, a, a kitchen that's got a male and female working in it is just a better running kitchen. Yeah. And there's no reason why we shouldn't have a 50-50, you know, management of an executive chef running. So 50% women and 50% men. Absolutely. You know, our industry after COVID uh, is hurting for good, talented people. You know, a lot of people left our industry, and so there is a void. So it's a perfect opportunity for people with the talent and skill and determination and the love of food to get in and to do it. And so hopefully with this scholarship, uh, we're able to really provide an entranceway that's barrier-free. Yeah, so let, let's make sure we all do our part, because this is the benefit to the community, and that, that's one of the things that I focus on in um, our work is how does the community benefit? Yes. Like if, if you disappeared, what would be the impact right. in the community? That, those are the hard questions that we have to um, ask ourselves. So upcoming events, you, you have some um, fun things happening that we can uh, show up for and so, support? Yeah, the, the, the goal in, you know, with this fundraising drive that we're running right now, we started it right at the beginning of the year and got a little bit of traction and now we're ramping up really leading to our, our gala event which is going to be held on May 4th at the Gross Point Yacht Club. Tickets are available right now. Um, there is a limited capacity but we're bringing six of the area's top female chef talents are going to be preparing food. We have live entertainment. A, I think we're calling it a culinary lifestyle silent auction, nice, uh, so nice. there won't be any sports memorabilia, but some really cool um, culinary experiences yeah. and then some, you know, kitchen gadgets and things like that. Um, currently, you know, tickets are available, and again, you can find it on our website. 
And, and what's the website? Uh, DetroitGastronomy.org. Okay, let's, let's make sure we we hear that both. And, and I'm telling you, I am the recipient of my stomach, my body, <laughs> my emotions, my mind, all are recipients of these amazing chefs, the work that you uh, do in the partnership uh, with Casa. Don't want to not speak of that. Thank you for listening to the Art of Family podcast by COTS. COTS exists to create and facilitate opportunities for families in poverty to collaborate, thrive, and succeed in building strong households, neighborhoods, and communities. This is accomplished through COTS Passport to Self-Sufficiency. Passport to Self-Sufficiency is COTS poverty reduction and alleviation framework. It is used across all programs, delivered through a whole family approach to support families in developing economic self-sufficiency and stabilized environments in order to create a multi-generational impact and ultimately break the cycle of poverty. To support this mission or to learn more about COTS, our families, or our partners, visit us online at cotsdetroit.org. That's C-O-T-S Detroit.org. Uh, we've been having a great conversation um, with them, not just about the work, but the impact in the community. There's something else that you wanted to talk a little bit more about the two of you, about the significance of the impact in the community and how that also, uh, let's weave in your partnership with COTS. Yeah, absolutely. So Soil the Service is kind of the, the parent umbrella nonprofit of our two major entities, which is Detroit Institute of Gastronomy and our publication, Edible Wild Magazine. I've been saying that backwards. Have I been saying, no, I've been no, saying no, right. Edible yep. Wild. Okay. Edible yeah. wild. I will say yeah. wild, edible. Okay. Oh. I'm good. Yeah. All right. So essentially, if it doesn't fall into those two buckets, like culinary school or publication, it falls into everything else that Soil the Service does. And that's where we really take our passion and our love for food and education and really take it to the community and, you know, and talking about that, I think, you know, John and I have traveled quite a bit and, you know, throughout the nation as well throughout the world. And there's one thing that really connects all of humanity. And there is no race, there's no religion, there's no anything really that <laughs> blocks the connection between two humans other than food. Food knocks that. down all of those <laughs> barriers. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can talk food with anyone yeah. in any language. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. And, you know, and I think it really does. It's why I wake up every morning mm -hmm. and do what I do. And some of the things that we've done with COTS through Soil the Service are just, you know, you can see the difference. Yeah. And there, there's a certain uh, passion that we have when we know the connection of food is that we're impacting through education. So when we partner with COTS and we come in and do a cooking class for families, we're changing generations yes, of people. That's the, right. the ability to cook and purchase food and uh, be able to sustain yourself uh, and teach that to your kids is something that it's missing in a lot of areas. Yeah. When, you, when you think your main meal comes from the gas station, mm -hmm. that's a problem. And so being able to share how to cook, how to make things, you know, taste really good and last in your refrigerator and how to shop economically. And, and somebody learns that skill and then they 
share it with their kids. We're changing generations. Uh, and uh, nutrition is so important to even just the thriving of a community. And so it, it's all woven in. And that's why we love partnering with COTS because that's just directly pinpointed to something we get to do and have a passion about. And we continue to be so grateful for uh, what I call an amazing um, partnership um, with uh, COTS and really for families. Um, you, you've done some fun things with a Soup City yeah. uh, where, yeah. you know, you come in with your, the best, what I call the best of the best in your presentations, <laughs> right? That um, there, there's a difference. I, I just had an experience. I was in LA and, you know, they have all millions of restaurants right. out there, right? Mm-hmm. And my, my daughter who loves to um, dine, uh, took me to a restaurant called Tess, T-E-S-S-E. And this has kind of a French uh, cuisine. I had the most amazing experience there, which leads me into this conversation about love in the food, right? There, so, you know, it's one thing to go to a restaurant and have good food. It's another thing to have an experience, right? right. And also... To what I I would say, taste love in the food. What, what does that like? What does that mean to you when you talk about love in the food? Like, what are you actually putting in that food? <laughs> oh, that's a that's a great question and a good segue into what I believe is that connection through food. It's there, you know, whether it's your spiritual connection. It doesn't matter what you believe in. I think when you are putting yourself into the food preparation uh, and you're happy, you're Mm -hmm. calm, you're excited about what you're doing. Those emotions, the connection, I don't know exactly what it is, that goes with the food to that next person. Uh, Because you can tell when you walk into a restaurant if there's an unhappy kitchen. Yeah, I think right? you're right. You, you can tell the food <laughs> isn't right. as good. The, something's wrong. Like something's yeah. off. And so whether that's the, through the aura, through the spirituality, yeah. like I don't know exactly what it is that's given that uh, connection. So I'm looking at your eyes and here's what I see. Let me just tell you the okay. experience I see as I'm looking at you. Um, when I was at Tess, um, the wait staff, so I, I was near the kitchen. So I could actually like see them preparing, right? right? So I'm watching them. It was a whole thing, right? And I'm watching and then the wait staff comes and they bring me this beautiful presentation. And it was a bone with the marrow Mm. and what they do, the luge, is it called the luge? So um, he he takes the marrow, he scrapes it out and he mixes it in this, um, it was a noodle dish, which was delicious. But he he doesn't like throw it and leave. He waits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he literally, and so Watch I'm you watching your eyes light mm-hmm. up. He's right. like, does she feel it? Yeah. Like, is she enjoying it? And oh. waiting for the response. You don't go to restaurants where people wait for, for right, the response right, right. anymore. There might have been somebody right. from the kitchen watching you right. to see if you were looking and enjoying so it. So that's what I think part of the love in and the food is 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 I'm you you said myself I'm bringing mm-hmm. myself to it, and now I'm watching you partake. 
Yes. Did you get what I put in there for you? Right? Yes. I think yeah. that's, yeah. that's where the, that's I think that's where the love comes yeah. in, right? That's yeah. where the love is. I love that. So yeah. there is there anything you love to speak to our audience as we close out um, this particular uh, segment? Anything important that you want them to know? Yeah, I think that, you know, the, the biggest thing, and I'm, you know, we're gracious for this, the opportunity to be here today, really, because we are kind of the quote, new kids on the block. You know, there's a lot of culinary schools. There's a lot of nonprofits doing a ton of great work in the community in Southeast Lower Michigan. And, you know, there's a lot of amazing things centered around food. And, you know, we're small but mighty, we like to say, and we're growing. And so please check us out online. You can find us at soiltoservice.org or Detroit Gastronomy. And the number two. The number two, right. service.org or DetroitGastronomy.org. And really, you know, our, our biggest ask and big, biggest awareness increase is really trying to raise funds for females to enter a culinary apprenticeship because we really do feel like we're going to make a community impact. And when John was speaking about it, you know, he said that we believe it's a lot of research went into this. It's not like we just uh, woke up one day and said, oh yeah, let's think about this. I mean, we've had a lot of um, external professionals as well give us some research on the industry and what's happening and you know, some of these big long-term challenges that our industry is facing. Um, we've pulled together an awesome like advisory board to help us, you know, develop a lot of our terminology and to support females in culinary apprenticeship as well. And we really do, you know, we ask the community if you can, you know, everybody's tight on cash right now. We understand that, but even, you know, plan ahead and purchase a ticket to our event on May 4th. We'd love to have you. Uh, it's going to be a whole lot of fun and, yep. uh, helping the community. Right. And if you're a business out there and think that there's something that might uh, lend itself to a great uh, silent auction item, uh, food service related, we'd love to be able to put that on the table and have some people go for that and and raise some funds. Uh, And uh, if, you know, neither one of those things work for you, uh, we have a GoFundMe page that you can just make a monetary donation. And all of those proceeds go right to supporting women in culinary apprenticeship. Well, thank you um, both uh, for being here. Chef Jeremy, Chef John, um, it's been an amazing conversation. Um, I've never been, uh, and I've never said this, uh, this cook, right? (laughs) But uh, from the pandemic, I've been like doing a little bit of something in the kitchen, right? And one of my favorite dishes now is, um, and I never like Brussels sprouts. I (laughs) love them. Like I literally work with Brussels sprouts every other day. I'm I'm having a dish with, um, and putting some amazing herbs and then throwing them in the oven. Mm So good. So good. good. (laughs) I can just eat that on the plate by itself. Just, just that. So, um, thank you both uh, for being with uh, me today and our audience. And again, uh, we at Cod's are hundred percent behind you. We'll be there uh, at the event uh, coming up. The other couple of events that are um, coming up, awesome. we are uh, some of your biggest cheerleaders. So yeah. again, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank and, you uh, very much, Cheryl. It's uh, we're really appreciative for this opportunity. Thank you for listening to the Art of Family, a podcast that serves to share triumphs of families overcoming poverty and homelessness. As families journey towards stability, Cots believes there is always beauty to be found along the way. 
Through partnership, mentorship, and relationship, we all create opportunities to succeed. To support this mission or to learn more about COTS, our families, or our partners, visit us online at cotsdetroit.org. That's C-O-T-S-Detroit.org.